want you to stand with me. We're going to pray together. Come on, I want you to pray. If you're, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to just pray out in your heavenly language. So let's just take a moment to pray in the Spirit. If you don't know what to say, just say the name Jesus. Just Come on, let's just pray together. We worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Yadi yada la la ma. Yadi yada la la ma. Let that heavenly language increase. Let it expand. Let it increase. Come on, stir up. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you this morning. Stir up the gift of God that's resident on the inside of you today. Lord, increase our heavenly language. Increase our prayer language this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke 24. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already heard us say that we have the tongues challenge, uh, pray in tongues 10 minutes a day from now to Pentecost. Let God increase your prayer language. Let's try that again. I'm going to challenge you this morning to have a time every day, 10 minutes set aside every day for you to pray in the Spirit. Let God increase your prayer language. Let Him increase. In the next couple of weeks, you say, well, Pastor, why do we pray in tongues? That's a great question. Come back next week. You're going to hear about it. You need to pray in tongues every day. Pray in tongues a lot. Build yourself up. Edify yourself. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And Luke chapter 24 is where we're going today. Uh, we're going to put our fingers in a couple places, Luke 24 and Acts 1. So if you want to stick your finger in Luke 24 and flip over to Acts 1 and just kind of hang, hang on to both of those. Um, but in Luke 24, verse 49, and if you're, by the way, if you're using a device, then just keep up. But Luke 24, verse 49 says, Behold, everybody say, Behold. Yeah, this is something you should take note of. <laughs> Jesus is saying, behold, you need to take note of this. I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. Everybody say endued. Until you are endued with power. Everybody say power. 
power from on high. The Amplified Version says it like this. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Tune in. Listen right now. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. But you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed fully equipped. I love that. Until you are clothed or fully equipped with power from on high. Everybody say fully equipped. The Passion Translation of Luke 24, 49 says, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. So stay here in the city until you are clothed with mighty power of heaven. If you want to flip over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Everybody say that. Promise of the Father. That's so good. The Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Which he said to you, which he said, sorry, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Amplified Version says it like this, while being together and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, You have heard me speak, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered and united. Woo! Jesus, you'll be baptized, you will be empowered, you will be united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. The Passion, that is good. The Passion says like this, Jesus instructed them, Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The disciples in Luke 24, Jesus had been crucified. He had resurrected. He had been making house calls, appearing to his disciples, appearing to the, to the crowds and, and letting them know about his resurrection. And he tells them what part of the, his message before he leaves earth, before he ascends into heaven, one of the final messages he gives to his disciples is don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. I am sending the promise upon you. You are going to be clothed with power from on high. You know, they had been expecting, the disciples had been expecting Jesus to establish his kingdom. If you keep reading in Acts, actually, they say that. When are you going to establish your kingdom? When are you going to overthrow the Romans and establish the the Jewish rule, the Israelite rule? When are you going to do away with the Roman rule? But that's not why Jesus came. That's not why he had come. And he now he's getting ready to leave, and he's entrusting the building of his kingdom to his disciples. Everybody turn to the pe- person next to you and say, that's you. Jesus has entrusted the advancement of his kingdom to you and to me. He's a, did you hear that? 
He's entrusted the advancement of his kingdom to you and to me. He sits in heaven and he's ruling, but he's pouring out his spirit on you and I. No longer is there just one person filled with the spirit on earth, but every believer can be saturated. Every believer can be baptized in the fullness of the power of the spirit to advance the kingdom of God in this earth. Well, three of you agree. You need to go read your Bible because that's God's plan. There is no other plan except for the local church. There is no other plan for advancing the kingdom except through you and I. Jesus has called you, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the equipped ones with the Holy Spirit. You have power on your life. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is to bring power in your life for seeing lives change, souls save, making disciples. That is the plan of God. If you're not engaged with the plan of heaven, then you're missing out. So number one, if you're not engaged with Jesus' plan to advance the kingdom of God in the earth, you're missing out. You're called to make disciples. And the way that we do that is absolutely, utterly dependent upon the power of God in our lives. You can't make disciples effectively without His power. You can't live the Christian life without His power. And so He's saying, I'm not leaving you as orphans, Jesus told His disciples. I'm not leaving you without any help. I am sending another helper. I'm sending the promise of my Father to be with you. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father to you and I. We have a promise from God you have a promise from God. And a lot of times we think of the promise that we have from God ends at redemption. But redemption is only the beginning. Salvation is only the beginning of the promises of God for your life. Everybody look this way. Everybody look this way. Turn off your phone and set it aside and put it on stun mode. I want you to look this way. I know, I, I, I promise you, you can live without an hour for your phone. I promise you. I promise you, I know it's hard and I know it's an addiction, but you can break it in Jesus' name. There's power to break the addiction over your phone. I promise. Now, if you're mad, get over it because I'm, I'm telling you something this morning that's going to change your life. I'm, I'm trying to tell you the gospel will change your life. So listen, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the promise of God for your life. You were not uh, intended by God to go on in this life without power, without His supernatural strength. That word dunamis, the power of God, is miracle-working power in your life. God intends for you to have the fullness. Everybody say fullness. Fullness of His power at work in your life. When you feel like junk in the morning, you don't feel like going, getting, getting up, going to work and doing the things. Power in your life to do what He's called you to do. Power to lay hands on the sick. Power to see the sick recover. Power to see the demons flee. Power in your life. Power that you don't have to live oppressed and depressed and discouraged. Power that you're an overcomer more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror in Christ. 
He's called you to be equipped fully with His power. So the promise of the Father, this promise that the Father made to the Son and made to you and I, is this this promise of the ages. Promise of redemption, but the promise of the fullness of the Spirit. That by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we, you, and I would have full access into the very throne room of heaven and the very power of God could be resident in our lives. That the Holy Spirit was not just going to come upon us to, to accomplish a mission or not just be a temporary passing trend in church, but the power of the Holy Spirit would reside in you and I on a permanent basis. Ongoing. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a trend that we celebrate in May every year. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the ongoing, perpetual, permanent, infilling baptism immersion into the very person of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? That the promise of God was not that you would just have, just have power, but you would be immersed into the person of power. So we have power resident in our life, but we are immersed into that word baptism that Jesus used in Acts 1. He was liking in it to John the Baptist's baptism. That John the Baptist was baptizing people at the River Jordan. Remember, Jesus was baptizing. He was using the word baptizo in the Greek or uh, uh, immersed in in the English. That He wanted to immerse us into Baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So you are being immersed in, not an it. Not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a he. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's a, he is a spirit. He is God. And when we are immersed, we're baptized. It's, Jesus used the word in Luke that we're clothed with power. There's this immersion, this baptism, this clothing of power that comes upon our lives. And it changes who we are. So what's the importance of the baptism? And why is it so important that we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, first off, Jesus did not start his earthly ministry until he received this baptism himself. In Luke chapter 3, we rewind the clock a little bit here and go back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it says this in Luke chapter 3, is the people were in expectation and were all questioning in their hearts concerning John, this is John the Baptist, and whether he might be the Christ. John the Baptist answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized. And when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 
30 years of age. So this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Luke tells us his perspective of what John was saying. Jesus is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's the same word that Jesus used to describe the promise of the Father that you and I will be immersed into. Just as John the Baptist was immersing people into water, he said, wait, there's more. This is just a baptism in water. This is a baptism to repentance. But wait, there's one coming after me. He's mightier than I. I'm just the the four runner. I'm foretelling. I'm I'm preparing the way. I'm a voice in the wilderness crying out of this man, Jesus. This man, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In John chapter 1, we find the baptism of Jesus account According to John, it says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. So John's saying, I'm baptizing you with water to tell you about the one who's coming after me. I came to immerse you into water for the, for the proclamation of repentance and to reveal to you that Jesus, the Messiah, is here. He's come. He's the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. In verse 32, it says, And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. Yeah. Hallelujah. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So it is absolutely imperative that we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus began His ministry right from there. He began His ministry after His baptism, began His ministry. And actually in Luke chapter 4, if you follow uh, the very next, uh, what happened next is actually really quite powerful. Let me flip over there. In, in Luke, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 3, he gets baptized in water. In Luke chapter 4, the very first verse of Luke chapter 4, if you have a Bible, you can flip over there. This is really powerful. Um, it says that Jesus being filled. Everybody say filled. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a distinction that's made here right after his baptism. Immediately after his baptism, the distinction is made that Jesus now, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led. So he he comes back from the Jordan. He's been baptized and he's led by, the word led means to be driven in the uh, Greek. It means to be driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to begin the temptation. Did you know that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the place to be tempted? Led him into the wilderness, the place of prayer and fasting. You know, sometimes, by the way, side note, sometimes we blame a lot on the devil, and it it might just be the Holy Spirit bringing you into a place. Come on now. 
Sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to get us into a place of trial and testing so that our testing of our faith might produce perseverance. And perseverance, and in James, you can read all of the things that testing brings of our faith. Anyway, that's not my message, but it's there, so I just wanted to point it out. The importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit for you and I, number one, is that Jesus began His earthly ministry after He received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How much more do you and I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Just as Jesus was a fully God yet fully man, He was absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in His life. The Bible says here that John said that He was... Uh, the Spirit came upon him and remained. The Gospels account that Jesus received the Spirit without measure. There was a baptism, an immersion into the Holy Spirit that Jesus was absolutely dependent upon. You and I need the promise of the Father and be baptized in, be immersed in to the Holy Spirit. Now, it's, it's interesting here uh, because Jesus tells them in Luke 24 and in Acts, he says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. Don't get in any hurry, but stay in Jerusalem. So, in other words, let me tell you all the things that you're going to do and you're going to accomplish, but wait. <laughs> let me tell you the mission that's before you. Let me tell you how I'm going to use you to build the kingdom, but don't go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, but when I have a plan and it's been laid out before me and there's vision and there's direct, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's get it done. We should have had it done yesterday. You can ask our staff about that. But when, we, when there's a vision and there's a plan to get something done, I'm like, why are we still waiting? Why don't we have the money yet? Why don't we have, let's just let's get this going. Let's get this over with. Right? Anybody else like that? Let's get it over with. Let's get, the, let's get the show on the road. But that wasn't Jesus' response. He said to them, wait. Wait. Terry is the, the New King James says, Terry in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't get in a hurry. In other words, you need to slow it down and be endued with power. You know, there's a direct correlation between slowing down your life and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We get in such a hurry that we try to do it in our own strength. We, we wake up in the morning and we're out the door. The kids are fed. The, the clothes are ready. Everything's ready to rock and roll. The schoolwork's done. We're out the door. We're headed to work. We're headed to take care of family. We're headed to school, whatever it is. And we're out the door quick. And our lives are in constant fast-paced lane and Jesus says to them turn off the fast pace you need to sit and wait even in church we have this methodology today let's get everybody in and out in an hour we have we have an hour time we got to get as many people in on Sunday and and in order to do that you know, I was watching all of the church things over Easter, and, and you know, I'm not criticizing. I'm just making a point. I'm just showing you this is all over. And at Easter, everybody has hour services on the hour. You know, it's like every, every 15 minutes, every hour and 15 minutes, there's an hour service. You just check into whatever church service you want, get your Easter checkbox done, and you're done. That wasn't Jesus' intent here. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. That was not Jesus' intent. 
He said, I want you to sit and to wait for 10 days, actually, as they sat and waited for 10 Can you imagine church for 10 days? Sitting in this building for 10 days, door dashing, somebody having to go get the food, bring it in, just hanging out, just waiting. That's what they were doing. They were just hanging out, waiting for 10 days for the promise of the Father. They had no clue what this would look like. They had no idea what was coming. But they knew that Jesus had said, sit and wait. In Isaiah 44 and verse 3, it says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. It had been prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus had told them it was coming, and they had to sit and wait. They had to hurry up and wait on the Lord. Slow down, sit still, rest. Remain ready, but rest. Remain ready for what's coming, but rest in His presence. Remain ready, but sit and receive. You know, for some of us, I, I firmly believe that one of the reasons that Jesus told them to wait is we have to, it takes time. I firmly believe this. It takes time for us to learn how to receive. We are so fast-paced. We're so busy. We have the next thing on our mind. But Jesus wanted them to sit and to receive something that would change their life and turn the world upside down. Jesus still today wants you to sit and turn on your receiver so that you can receive something that will change your life and turn the world upside down. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I'm going to keep going. God has intended for you to be a world changer. God has intended for you to be so saturated, inundated, filled with His power that everywhere you go, it's said, just like the apostles, they've come here. Those that have turned the world upside down have come here also. I hope that when I get to the end of my life, maybe it's just me, but I hope that when I get to the end of my life, my life is not just about a home or a car or this or that, but I hope that I've, I hope I've rubbed some people the wrong way. I hope I've stirred up some de demons along the way. I hope that I've seen the sick healed and the, and the oppressed set free. I hope that people have gotten born. I hope I've challenged the status quo just a little bit. I, I know that people don't like that. And I know, I know, especially in ministry today, we got to keep everybody happy and pet the goats so they'll give the money. But I hope, I hope that somehow I've ruffled those goats and maybe they've become sheep along the way. It, it shouldn't be comfortable. You know, Holy Ghost power isn't comfortable. What's comfortable is to stay in your mess. What's comfortable is just to stay in status quo. What's comfortable is just to say, well, I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. So I'm just going to stay right where I am. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you have no excuse. You, you have... You have no excuse. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you have power to deal with your issues. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit's power has come upon you, you have no excuse to tell your neighbors and your co-workers about Jesus because you have power resident in your life. 
When you have the Holy Spirit upon you, you have no excuse but to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. This is Bible. This is Bible. You've been called to live a Spirit-filled life. You've been called to live a Spirit-filled life. Jesus said, wait until you receive Terry, until you've received the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.33, it says, Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Right in the middle of the day of Pentecost, right in the middle of the wind blowing and the fire falling and the preaching happening and all the things that are going on, the drunken mess, Peter stands up and he says, he says this verse, this is Jesus, the one you crucified. This is his ministry. The one that you thought was dead and gone. This is his ministry. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He, want, he, he wants to baptize you in and with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of Jesus. This is, this is His baptism. He wants to immerse you. You know, people say, well, I, I've, you know, I've heard this time and time again. Well, why do you talk about the Holy Spirit so much? Well, why not? Jesus talked about Him. And not only that, but Jesus is the one that's pouring out the Holy Spirit upon us. He is the heavenly baptizer. Right now, He's sitting in heaven. He's inter- he is not listening to fat babies sing. If that is your idea, I think I said it last week, and I think I'll say it again this week. If your idea of heaven is little cherub, and he's sitting on this throne, and somebody's waving a palm branch and feeding him bonbons, that is not what is happening in heaven. That is not the scene of heaven. He's ruling and reigning all things. He's interceding on your behalf. Right now, he's praying and interceding to the Father. And he's baptizing. He's pouring out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. That's what he's doing. So he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's told us to wait. He's told us to receive. He's told us to slow it down. You know, our our. Pentecostal nature even. You know, let me, let me you know, <laughs> just talk about us good old Pentecostals. Good old Pentecostal folk. We, you know, we, we get in a hurry sometimes. We, we get fired up. We, and, and let me tell you, if the pastor doesn't fire us up, then something's wrong. If, the, if it's not fiery and the song's not fiery, then something's wrong. This was not the case. This was not the case in the upper room. They had no idea what they were doing. They weren't, there was nobody firing them up and making them have some emotional response. Now, I got to go there. I'm just going to go there for a minute. I'm not going to go here long. <coughs> I walked off the platform, so you know it's getting real. So, so if you come in on a Sunday morning looking to be fired up, That is not a spirit-filled life. If you need the singers to sing and the drummers to drum and the and all of that's great, right? We see that throughout the throughout Scripture, the power and the impact of the instruments and the singing and the praise. There is a corporate impact. There's individual impact on the power of our praise. But if that's what you come in here for is to be stirred up, you need somebody to rev you up and stir up your emotions. Listen, you can do that. There's plenty of churches that do that. They'll stir up your emotions and get you to feel good. And you can have a good goosebump and feel good. 
But that's not the Spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled life is not about needing someone to rev you up. You have the very presence of God on the inside of you. If anyone needs to rev you up, it's the Holy Ghost. You need to tune in to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That's why praying in the Spirit is so important. That's one reason why the baptism in the Holy Spirit is so important. You don't need someone to rev you up. You have the heavenly language. It's like the, it's the, it's the rudder on the, on the motor, on the ship. It's that little rudder that starts turning. Just like James said, our mouth is a rudder. Some of you have a mouth that, well, never mind. So you just need your rudder to go the right direction. Stay out of the swamp and get into the river of life. <laughs> Stay out of the Dead Sea and get into the river of life. And let that rudder just... I see, I don't, I don't need someone to rev me up. I have the Holy Spirit who edifies me. He's edifying. So praying in the Spirit. That's why this is so important. Number one, and that's so important. Praying. We'll get to that next week. So he said, wait, be clothed. Wait, receive, and be clothed. I love this word, to be endued with power. Uh, be endued is the word to be clothed with. You need to wait to receive or wait to be clothed. You would not leave your house this morning without clothes on, would you? No, you, of course not. You came. You, you wouldn't be in here if that were the case. We wouldn't let you in. You've got to... <laughs> You, gotta, you have to have your clothes on to go out of your house. And it's the same is true with the Spirit's power. You and I have to be clothed with power. You need your spiritual clothes on. You need your spiritual power on. Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. There's power. Come on, let's say that. You will receive power power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's our, that's our church's mission. It's, you'll see it on banners and everywhere. You, we receive power when the Holy Spirit has clothed you, has come upon you. He's clothed you and given you power. So we're clothed from on high. This idea of clothing, uh, garments, is, is consistent in Scripture. Then there's ideas of the different garments or different clothes that we put on. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says you're not, instead of the spirit of heaviness, you're going to have the garment of praise, right? Instead of the spirit of heaviness, you're going to put on a garment of praise. So you're shedding off and you're putting on something. You're taking off the old and you're putting on the new. In Matthew 22, Jesus told the parable of the wedding feast. And the, the master of the ceremony came into the wedding feast and, and he found this one man that didn't have the wedding garments on. In, in, the, um, in the history or in the practice, I forget the word, I don't know the word I'm looking for, it's, it escapes me, but in the traditions, there we go, the wedding traditions of this time, the master of the ceremony would give out wedding garments to the guests, because there would be all sorts of guests coming in with different uh, statures, either politically or economically or educationally. They would have different backgrounds, and they would dress in, in a way that 
demonstrated their affluence. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And so the master of the ceremonies, in order to put everyone on the same level, that there wouldn't be a class at the wedding, the only people we were celebrating was the bride and the groom. And so they would give them wedding robes or wedding garments to put on so everyone would have the same, uh, the same garment on and that there would be no class system. It would just be even and celebrating the bride and the groom. Well, the master of the ceremony walks in and sees a man without the wedding garment. And what does he say? How did you get in here without the wedding garment? And they, he ordered that he be bound up and cast out where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. There was a wedding garment. It was a parable about redemption. So we have to wear the wedding garments. And then, of course, there's the prodigal son, the garment of the prodigal son. How many of you remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son had wasted all of his money, wasted all of his, uh, his inheritance, and he comes home. And what does the father do? The father says to the, to the, calls for the servants and says, we're going to put the best robe on you. Not just any robe, we're putting the best. You're getting the best robe and we're putting it on you. You know what's interesting about that is if you, it's in Deuteronomy and I'll, I'll it's, I forget where, I think it's 22 or 28. But it says that if your son is rebellious and if your son refuses to listen, this is a great parenting tip. Everybody listening? If your son refuses to listen and, and intends on being rebellious, you're to bring them out to the gates where the elders of the city sit. The, the gates of a city were the place of, uh, of authority. The gates of the city were where the elders and rulers would sit. So you're to bring them out to the gates to the elders and bring your case before the elders, and the elders are to stone him and kill him. I think that would deal with a lot of rebellion in our children these days. A looming... Th anyway. It brings new meaning to what my dad said. Son, I will kill you if you ever... Got it. <laughs> Never understood that until now. Now I'm fully, fully aware. So this, the prodigal son, not only had he wasted his inheritance... He was under the threat, even just by going home to his father, by facing his dad. His dad could have had no mercy on him. His dad could have had no mercy and said, no, you've wasted your inheritance. You've ruined our reputation. You've been, you've been sleeping with the pigs. To the elders we go. But instead, the father embraced him and put the coat around him, put the robe around him, and, and restored him to the family. In Genesis 37, we find Joseph's coat of many colors. Uh, of course, we can go on and on about Joseph's coat of many colors in the favor of his father. And in Revelation 19, this is a shocking one. We don't really see this a whole lot in Scripture. This is a, this is a shocking one. In Revelation 19, Jesus was riding on a white horse, and he had a robe. He had a garment, the Bible says, that was dipped in blood. He was, he was riding on the white horse and the blood of the nations was on his robe. So garments are really important in the Bible. They're this, the symbolism of the garments and the various types of garments that we're to wear. So when Jesus said, you're going to be clothed with power, they understood that there was something come upon them. They're, the old garments were going off. 
and new garments were being put on. The old clothes were coming off, the old way of doing things, the old order of business. It was all going to change. And I want to tell you something this morning. That's true for you and I today. The old way of doing things, the old carnal way of doing things, the old way of relying on your own strength, your own power, your own effort, it, all that changes. Do you hear me? All of that changes when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's new, it's a new garment. It's a new clothes being put on, new garments being put on. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wait. Wait in, in, in Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem. Don't leave until you've received the promise of the Father. You'll be clothed. You'll be baptized. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the promise of the Father. You'll be baptized. You know, this Jesus' words there, by the way, Make it very specific what's happening. He said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There was a very, there was the the original language, the intent of what Jesus was saying was very clear, very specific. This was not an outside happening to them. They said, you know, that the Holy Spirit was going to do something to them. That this was an immersion into that Jesus saying, I'm going to baptize you with. When we, we say we baptize you with water, right? So when we talk about immersion in, in, the, in the baptismal, we say we're going to baptize you with water. Not of, it's not of, the water doesn't baptize you, right? The water doesn't baptize you. It's not of water, it's with or in water. We say we're going to baptize you with water or in water. So why, Je- why this is so important is Jesus made it very clear. He is actively involved, which Peter said in Acts 2.33. Jesus, I am actively involved. I am baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. There, in other words, he was demonstrating there is no conflict between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are absolutely three in one, they're all God, and he's, what he's saying is, I am, I am doing the work. I am bringing about the promise of the Father. My job is not over. In other words, when he descended, you know, the first thing you think of, when Jesus, he's gone, he's, you don't see him anymore, so his, his job's done. No, he's still very present. He's still very present. The importance of this is that he's an ever-present help in your time of need. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. So just so now we've got Jesus sitting on the throne in heaven and we have the Holy Ghost empowering, clothing us, living on the inside of 